welcome. It is eight minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Uh, this week on uh, Gary on Guns, we have uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery, uh, for which I, again, pat myself on the back, because usually I say Powderhorn Guns and Ammo. Kelsey is on board. Jordan had another uh, uh, obligation and couldn't make it, uh, but we do have Brian on board. So to Kelsey and Brian, good morning. I have a question starting right from the get-go. <laughs> Uh, because I'm on your website at uh, powderhorncolumbia.com. Yes. And it says, contact us. And it says, you know, here's Jordan at Powderhorn Columbia. Uh, and then it says, more. Who's more? Well, first of all, don't use those email addresses. They don't, don't work yet. <laughs> We've had a lot of people call and be like, yeah, I sent an FFL over and stuff like that. And we're like, okay, what email did you send it to? And it's usually the admin at or Jordan at. And I'm like, uh, yeah, those are currently non-functional <laughs> oh boy so just send it to our normal email address which is powderhorncolumbia at gmail.com powderhorncolumbia at gmail.com yes or uh, call okay. us or, or yeah which would be probably a lot easier yes yes uh, or stop by at 1915 paris road that's ideal that's the that's the best way to go right uh, but uh, Moore has left the building, it's... Uh, and so is Admin, <laughs> whoever he will. What a strange name. Parents are really weird in this town. Um, but but yeah, actually, the best way to go, uh, it, it, aside from being there, is just to go to the Facebook page. Yes. yes. I'm, uh, Jordan and I both monitor that, so if you message the Facebook page, it'll either come to me or him. So there, you can't go wrong. Uh, so now I have to call my producer, Hanson, because I can't confuse when I say, hey, Brian, uh, two people are going to respond. Um, so just, you can just go by last names today. How about that? Hey, Hanson. Hey, Mays. All right. And why that don't way I... we'll respond accordingly. Or I, I could call you Jack. Um, <laughs> to be short for Jack. Well, never mind. Uh, Brian, welcome. How are you this morning? I'm doing, doing fine. Doing wonderful. Hanson. I will call you Hanson. I'm calling Brian Brian. Oh, okay. I got confused. I thought. All right. Yeah. You're going I, by I last name. At your age, it doesn't take much. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's try it again. Brian, how are you? I'm doing outstanding, Gary. It's great to be with you. Who really cares? <laughs> Honestly, you know, I don't even know why I bothered to ask. I don't care how you are. I just thought I'd throw it out there. Nobody does. It's just what we do. <laughs> just to be polite. Uh, all right, so you got uh, a, a couple of firearms here I can't wait to get to. We'll do that uh, right at uh, 9.05 or so, right? Right exactly at 9.05 or so. <laughs> Uh, I need another cup of coffee. Are you sure? Uh, you get it, C905, uh -huh. exactly, or, uh -huh. or so. Okay. All right, I, I better move on while I still have uh, an audience here. Um, one of the questions that inevitably come up on the pro comes up on the program, and I'm sure it will shortly, but let's get it out of the way now. How are we doing for ammo? Pretty good. Um, I'd say better than the last time we spoke. I'm pretty sure it's what I say every time, but it's true. Well, that's a good thing. Right. Um, handgun ammo, we're pretty well, I don't want to say set, but, you know, most of your standard handgun cartridges we've got. We even have some of the odd ones back in. Um, rifle stuff is still iffy, but we're getting, obviously, 5.56, 308, 22 long rifle. All that's been good, really good. Um, and we're starting to see, like, we had a little bit of 270 roll in, um... 350 Legend. I had some 22 250 a couple weeks ago, so it's getting there. So it's getting there. If you're looking for ammo, uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery is a place to go. How about shotgun? Uh, how are we doing with the shells? I can get you 12-gauge turkey loads. <laughs> no 20-gauge, no 410, but 
We have um, five options, I think, for 12-gauge turkey loads, which is seasonally appropriate. Is it odd that, I mean, because I didn't think shotguns, uh, that shells would be a a problem. Um, So they run it in cycles, like everything else. And once you get past that production schedule, if they haven't produced enough of it or if they cut production on it early, we just won't see it for a while. So we're kind of in that shotgun shell slump. Then you're just scrawd. Yeah. Um, All right. You know, I, I was chatting with Brian a few seconds before the show. And uh, a lot of people listening might not be familiar with his history, but Brian, you go back quite a long way with powder horn guns and archery. Well, we do. The, my family does in particular. Uh, my dad started the powder horn a long, long time ago, uh, back in the late 60s, uh, in, in very humble uh, beginnings uh, on what used to be Tandy Avenue, which is now College Avenue. And um, it was in a little A-frame uh, in the second story. And uh, then it later moved to a location down the road on Paris Road. And uh, at that time in the early 80s, uh, he sold it to Kelsey's dad, Lee, who operated it for a long time. And uh, I was a faithful customer, kind of grew up there and uh, watched it, watched it just evolve over the years and grow and improve and all the things that the new business does. And uh, it moved again again on Paris Road, so to speak, kind of by Westlakes, and then it moved again to where it's at now, and uh, after all of those years, nearly 40 years, uh, Lee decided that he wanted to think about moving on to greener pastures, and so he contacted me to see if I was interested, and uh, my wife and I repurchased it from them, and uh, now are the proud owners of the Powderhorn. And that, what a great history. It just and I imagine that uh, when concealed carry passed in Missouri, that really added to the business uh, and made it even more profitable and able to expand. But, man, you've got a whole history of your whole life uh, at Powderhorn Guns and Archery. So that's kind of neat. It really is. It's been a very a very cool thing to experience, to to watch it over the years and, and be a part of it and be a, uh, a customer and now an owner. Um, most of my collection came from the Powderhorn. <laughs> Uh, either between the powder horn or some of my other stores, so uh, I I couldn't be more thrilled to be involved. What is your favorite concealed carry handgun? Well, I have a lot, but yeah, I figured you my, did, yeah. my EDC is a car, um, mostly because it's very thin. Uh, I wish it had higher capacity, but it's very thin, and um, I can I can carry it all day, barely know that it's there. Yeah, the the capacity thing is. I'm a fan, as everybody knows by now, of the 1911, mm-hmm. and uh, I just love the trigger, uh, and and so I'm stuck with, you know, seven, maybe eight rounds, depends on who making, who's making, who's made it, uh, and that's it. In the meantime, uh, most of these new concealed carry pistols, and uh, the, you know, you get a Glock or some of these other ones. Uh, sometimes you're looking at 15, 20 rounds, depending on what they're carrying. It's like, oh boy, I need extra magazines. But I think I have capacity envy. The good news is, is you got lots of pockets you can put uh, spare mags in. Yes. In fact, I got, I've got a holster that has um, an extra, uh, you know, a pouch for the, uh, for the extra magazine. All right, let's get into something uh, just a titch more serious here. We're up against the clock, but when we come back, uh, a writer in Ukraine tells a story about training with an AK and his regret. And that's coming up next. I'm Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. It's 20 minutes after the hour, and Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us this morning. 
Uh, we've got Kelsey with us. Jordan had a, a previous obligation, couldn't make it in, but uh, pleased to tell you that Brian is with us. And I was talking about this uh, at, at front selling that we were going to go to the story from uh, Ukraine. I'm not going to get into all the gruesome details here. This, uh, this guy is a writer. Uh, I'll just give you a brief recap. Uh, he's a writer and um, wasn't involved in firearms at all uh, in, in, for his entire life, really. But when Russia invaded, uh, he, he got himself a, an AK. Uh, he said, I'd never held a gun in my hands till February of 2022. My wife and I had several hours of training uh, just to figure out what to do with it. Just in case. And now I regret the hell that I didn't do that training before. Uh I'm going to combine this with a, a survey that was taken uh, that, that said, um, among other things, interestingly, uh, Republicans and independents, a majority of which, if we were invaded the way Ukraine is, they would stay and fight. Uh, surprisingly, the Democrats, uh, the majority of them actually said, no, they would, they would cut and run. I don't know exactly what that means, but it, it seems kind of... Uh, it, it, they seem to be the party that never wants anybody to own guns. And they keep calling AR-15s weapons of war. Uh, they're not. I mean, these AKs are fully automatic. It's a, it's a whole different ballgame. But a couple of thoughts come to mind. One of them is with, you know, this constant push on the left to get rid of guns, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how they would handle it if they decided to stay and fight, I mean, one of the things that I think we really need to do is get young kids and young people exposed to firearms. And I think that if we do, they won't be in a position somewhere down the line. It may not be a war. Maybe it's just walking downtown in the middle of the night where they wish they had more training. Um, well, I think you're exactly right, Gary. And in, in it. In my opinion, it needs to start as early as possible. Uh, young people need to be exposed to firearms in the home and trained on exactly what to do. A little kid encounters a gun, they need to know exactly what to do. A little bit older kid, they need to actually go to the range and be taught how to shoot, how to handle, how to be safe, how to do all of the things that, that Kelsey and I take for granted because we did grow up like that. We grew up with guns in the house. We learned how to handle them at a very, very young age. Uh, I know a young lady that was learning how to shoot uh, machine guns at a, as a toddler almost, and she is phenomenal with a firearm. Uh, and it, it really starts with very early childhood training. And a gun becomes something that you're comfortable with, and, but you also have a very, very deep respect for. You know how to handle them, and you get training. And that training doesn't just stop right there. It's continuing for your whole life. You're always training. You're always improving. And uh, that's what we should really be emphasizing, and it would stop a lot of the problems. If more people receive the training that Jordan, Kelsey, myself, Scott, all of these people that we know, they've all grown up with this, and they've been trained their whole lives. If more people got that, we'd have a, a safer and probably better environment. I like the respect part. Um, instead of fearing the gun, uh, respecting it. Uh, and what we've been, what they're doing in many cases across the country is telling people to fear guns. 
uh, guns are an in, inanimate object. They don't attack anybody. It's the people behind them that are that are a problem. But I think it, you know, getting these people exposed to it, training, uh, that really will make a difference because you never know when the bad guy is going to be there. Uh, and you know, as a country, we've only been uh, in in the last uh, you know 150 years. Uh, only invaded by the Japanese. Um, but now we're looking at this conflict in Russia with uh, Putin, and, and who knows what's going to happen. Well, the bad guys, it's a long shot, but the bad, the bad guy's biggest uh, asset is the, the, the case that he has surprise over you. you can take, he can surprise you and come out of nowhere. That's what they do. And it doesn't matter who they are. It can be Russia or it can be the bad guy down the street hiding behind the bushes getting ready to jack your car. They come out of nowhere, and you just have to be prepared to respond to that and not just react but respond to that situation, and that comes with training. It comes with experience, training, and mentally going through all those things in your mind. I don't know about you guys, but once in a while, um, I'll go for a spell without shooting. And then when I get to the range, I'm stunned at how bad I've gotten at it. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, wow, how the hell did I miss? How could I be that far off that many times? Your really a perishable skill. Your proficiency does decline very, very quickly, but it comes back just as fast. So that's why we advocate uh, root, you know, very, very common and make a practice of going to the range. Shoot as often as you can. You don't have to shoot a lot. You just need to shoot a little bit frequently. Yeah, how often do you guys get out? This time of year, not as often as I'd like, but I think during, I mean, I'm trying to think, from like March to November, probably twice a month, pretty easily. Twice a month's not bad. I I literally, you know, I, I moved out of the county, uh, and I think I must have gone four or five months without shooting. And then I went to the range, and it was like, oh, my God, who sh who's actually pulling the trigger here? It can't be me. Well, and shooting handguns is exponentially more difficult than rifles and shotguns. You just you, you don't have much variation there before you start seeing either poor shot placement or, you know, the gun will jam. Um, sometimes people get shot in the leg due to lack of practice. But Really? Well. <laughs> Who would that be? I, I, I'm not naming names today. Um, Give me an initial. <laughs> <laughs> No, because I, I like these people, and stuff okay. happens, and I understand. Yeah. You know, people just yeah. not paying attention, and they go to reholster, and their finger's still in the trigger guard. You know what I mean? Or yes. cleaning a gun. We've seen uh -huh. that, but... Well, it's, with regard to the shotgun, you said that uh, that's easier than... A, a, you haven't seen me shoot skeet. Well... That, I mean, that's a whole different world. Generally speaking... You know, long <laughs> the, guns are easier than handguns. We'll they're reasonably well-coordinated, perhaps. Yes, but, yes. you know, you put a shotgun in my hand. The the pigeon breaks when it hits the ground, that, and, and then I claim victory. That's, yeah, that's Yeah, me. I did it. See that? Uh, but those are uh, skills that uh, really do evaporate pretty quickly, and you do need to practice. And uh, I know, for, as I said, from my own experience, how quickly uh, those skills can deteriorate. Uh, and this uh, this guy in Ukraine is is lamenting the fact that he didn't train. Well, that's something that we don't want to do. You, you don't want to lament the fact that you didn't train, uh, that you didn't prepare yourself, uh, because you never know when the bad guy is going to show up. Uh, it just, you know, it, 
If you did, you know, you'd, you'd have the police there already. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free number is 800-529-5572. A little over half an hour from now, we're going to go over some firearms from Powderhorn Guns and Archery that they brought in. Uh, and uh, I'm telling you, they are drool-worthy. There is a story out of Ocala, Florida, about a guy who was stopped with a, a handgun on, the, on his car seat. And a couple of a couple of aspects of this are are kind of curious. One of them is he had a uh, a marijuana medical marijuana card, though he wasn't charged with uh, having that in a gun. But the thing that I thought was odd was that he was in his car. The firearm was not concealed; it was in the open, um, and he got arrested for this. Now in Missouri, we wouldn't have that problem. Uh, we're allowed to um, to have a gun in the car. Isn't Brian? Isn't the the car kind of like my house when I'm in it? I sure do think that it is. Um, and I I don't think that this would have happened if it was in Missouri. But it shouldn't have happened even in Florida. Uh, from what I can tell, uh, his his being in possession of that firearm was a perfectly lawful act. Uh, his being issued a marijuana card was a perfectly lawful act. Um, I'm not familiar with Florida laws, but if he wasn't violating any laws, why was he arrested for simply having uh, possession of a firearm and possession of a marijuana card? Um, none of those things really add up to me. Uh, there may have been other circumstances, but he shouldn't have been arrested as far as I can tell from the headlines you're describing. Uh, they they stopped him for speeding. He was, I guess, 12 over. Uh, they smelled marijuana in the car. Uh, and I guess it, I, I've, I'm not familiar with it, but I understand that it has a, a distinctive odor. Uh, but they didn't arrest him for that. They didn't, they didn't go after him for having the uh, uh, marijuana card or say anything about the marijuana at all. It's peculiar that he did. But I think we ought to talk about this whole marijuana thing. There's a lot to talk about there. All right, so we'll do that next on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. It's uh, 35 minutes after the hour. Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board for, uh, with us this morning uh, over on Paris Road. And uh, Kelsey is in, so is Brian. Uh, Jordan had uh, another obligation, couldn't make it this morning. Uh, we're talking about uh, this guy who got stopped in Florida. He had a, a firearm on his uh, seat, and they arrested him. He also had a medical marijuana card. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably uh, one of the few libertarians that just don't use drugs. But at the same time, I have a hard time uh, understanding why somebody smoking marijuana can never have a gun. If I buy a fifth of whiskey and bring it home, it's okay that I own a gun. But if I smoke marijuana or bring home a joint or I have a medical marijuana card, does any of this make sense to you guys? No. <laughs> it doesn't, and it's quite a it's it's a pretty deep rabbit hole to dive into. Um, you know, being intoxicated in any way and in possession or control of a firearm uh, is is in violation um, of the federal and most state gun laws. But being in possession of alcohol is a lawful act. Being in possession of marijuana in some states, most states now, is a lawful act. Uh, we have to find a way uh, 
to determine what is the line, where is the line drawn on how intoxicated somebody is, uh, or is it a uh, zero-tolerance policy or if any intoxication at all is prohibitive? And I don't know what the answer to that is, uh, but I know it's going to be really difficult to find an answer. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, I just think, you know, we've got these people who have been indoctrinated to be terrified of anybody who smokes marijuana. I was in the tavern business. My my parents were in the tavern business. My grandfather was in the ta- tavern business. And I'm going to tell you right now, I would much rather somebody who's smoking marijuana have a gun than somebody who's been drinking uh, have a gun. Absolutely. Uh, so so I, I just I have a, a, a difficult time with this. And especially if it's medical marijuana, uh, although I do suspect there are a lot of people who are getting medical marijuana cards because they have a hangnail. <laughs> um, but, but I just think this is uh, kind of arbitrary and capricious uh, that we go after them uh, and we leave alcohol alone. The, the, the bad part about what I'm saying right now is that they'll probably say, you know, somebody will hear me and go, well, wait a minute, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be able to buy a fifth of whiskey and bring it home and still own a firearm. Uh, we'll never know. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Just uh, my opinion, if you uh, have a medical marijuana card, that shouldn't mean you have to be vulnerable to the bad guy uh, and you should be able to defend yourself. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, Lauren Boebert, a member of the House of Representatives, she's from Colorado. Uh, of all places, uh, Brian, she's from Rifle, Colorado. Beautiful town. Yeah, and she is a concealed carry permit holder. She owns a restaurant up there. And she had witnessed, I think, a, a, a robbery or a shooting. Uh, then she went out and got her concealed carry permit. And then all of her employees did. And... Uh, you know, really a, a strong Second Amendment supporter. We were talking about Ukraine, and she had mentioned in uh, about Ukraine that uh, that we we convinced Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons, kind of international gun control, if you will. Um, and people jumped all over her. She 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 went on Twitter, and and said that um, you you can't. Ju- I'm looking for the exact quote because I had it here a second ago. Um, uh, sharp criticism: recent baseless attempt to shift recent, or a Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine onto a political argument on gun control. The conspiracy theorist lawmaker, that's what they're calling her at Salon Magazine. No surprise tweeted a reference to Ukraine's nuclear demilitarization that occurred at the close of the Cold War and the demise of the Soviet Union. She said, quote, remember, Ukraine gave up their nukes in exchange for promises of security. And now everybody is, is you know, attacking her for this. But it's a form of international gun control. And gun control doesn't work internationally any, any better than it does nationally. But her point, you know, if you translate that, is pretty well, is pretty accurate. You give up your gun, you give up your right to defend yourself, just like Ukraine. I don't think the, the, that uh, Russia would be quite as anxious to attack Ukraine if Ukraine was armed the way it was before the Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, I don't want to get you guys into international politics. 
But the point that I'm making here is that, uh, you know, you give up your, your means of self-protection, you become a victim. Agreed? Well, yeah. I totally I've... agreed. And, you know, I think that, you know, our, our individual protection and defense is our individual responsibility. And I think that same thing translates over to, uh, to a nation, a free nation. You have to be able to defend yourself and, and have adequate arms and equal arms to your strongest opponent. And this is a case where they didn't, and and here we are watching it unfold. Uh, it would be a completely different headline on Fox News right now if if they were armed the way that they were before. Yeah, it it you know Wayne Lapierre's famous saying: a, a good guy with a gun stops the bad guy with a gun. Uh, and I think that uh, this is the same thing, but a larger scale. Let me go to the phones here. Rusty is on the line. Rusty, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary on Gun Show. Hi, Gary. Hi. Have you ever heard about this non-lethal weapon called a Burna? A B-Y-R-N-A? I have not. Have, uh, have you guys heard of it, Brian? No. I've heard of some, some non-lethal weapons that are similar to a, a pistol that fire a, uh, a paintball, so to speak, that's got uh, pepper gel in it that um, say that they're pretty effective at, at stopping a threat and giving you enough time to get away. Uh, I looked at some at a at a trade show a couple years ago. Uh, they're good-looking pieces of equipment. I'm pretty sure it was the same brand. And uh, they, they had them on display where you could uh, test fire them at this particular show with the regular, like, rubber balls. And uh, they looked like they would be a good alternative. It wouldn't be an alternative that I would choose personally, but it would be better than nothing if you, uh, if you had an aversion to carrying a firearm. Why do you ask, yeah, Rusty? Are you interested in buying one? I've been interested for quite a while, but it's just, you know, being able to do it. But they fire, you know... Different rounds. They fire a CS ball, like a military tear gas, and they also fire pepper spray. But they also fire a kinetic ball, which that's, is, you know, if you hit somebody, it's, it's going to hurt. That's the rubber, that's kind of a rubber projectile. Um, and I think you can even intermix those so you can get, uh, you know, varying types of uh, performance from it with every uh, subsequent shot. Right, it's 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 like a semi-automatic handgun. You can have different cartridges that you slide in the, the handle. That you could have, you know, one being CS, one being pepper, one being kinetic, or even intermix them between. You know, you fire one, it'll be a CS. You fire two, you fire the next one, it'd be a pepper ball. But I figured, you know, even having the different cartridges, you know what you have in the cartridge, so you could put, you know, one in there, and know exactly what you're shooting. If you need to switch to another one, you drop the cartridge out, pop another one in, and well, you do you this in the midst of a gunfight. Well, it's not always a gunfight. I mean, you've got someone coming at you with a knife. You got someone coming at you with a bat. I mean, it's not always a gun. It's, it's self protection. They are self protection, and I I understand that they're fairly effective at uh, temporarily disabling the threat uh, and, and hopefully giving you enough time to to flee and escape to safety. Um, I, I would strongly question, I want you to question, uh, is that the right choice for me? Uh, and, and perhaps it is. And if it is, I'm sure that we can try to get one in uh, where you can take a look at one. They are pretty pricey. So give it some thought before you jump out and go get one. 
uh, as to is it the best choice? Um, is is all you're looking to do is to temporarily disable a threat and uh, and be able to to run away, or do you want to truly stop a threat? I mean, I've I've looked at that too. I've you know figured having you know at least both depending on the other situation. I mean, even like law enforcement, you know, today. I mean, a lot of times they try to stay away from lethal and go to non-lethal weapons, you know, to help, you know, restrain somebody. Less lethal options are definitely a good idea for law enforcement. Um, I, I still kind of personally question whether or not they're the best thing for civilians defending themselves, but that's not a decision for me to make. That That's solely up to you. Um, I have seen them at some retail stores, not in the area, but not too far away. Um, if you want to take a look at one, I know that uh, Frontier Justice at the Lee Summit location um, has them in stock. And they have the full accoutrement of all the accessories that you'd want to take a look at. There you go, Rusty. Thank you very much for the call. Glad to have you on Carry On Guns. How, how uh, concealable are they? I mean, are, are they bulkier than a regular firearm? They or look pretty big. I'm looking them up now. Um, we actually have some of their products in the shop. We've got their little, what they call the Banshee, which is a little pull tab um, noise alarm, you know, so like for college kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they're kind of awesome. Not going to lie. They're extremely loud and they have a flashing light, which is kind of cool. But um, these things look like full size MMP size or like Glock 19 sized based on the pictures I'm looking at. If they're that size, most people can, you know, you can, you can carry that uh, concealed. And my guy my size would probably have an easier time of it than somebody yeah, your I'd, size. Yeah, I definitely could not. Yeah, yeah. that's... But, uh, you know, I, I just don't... It, and maybe it's a bias, but it, it doesn't... I don't feel secure um, with that idea. Uh, I want I want the option that will best stop the attack, and that might not be the best option. Somebody comes at me with a knife, uh, you know, I'm, I feel justified in protecting myself with a firearm. Well, and I think the difference is if someone's attacking us, they're likely attacking us to kill us, unlike law enforcement, which is sometimes just yeah, has to stop a, somebody, you know. And on top of that, law enforcement walk around with these, you know, with a, a big utility belt and all these different right. options. We don't do that. All right, we're up against the clock. Quick break. We're going to come right back. Kelsey is on board with us. So is Brian from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. Good morning. It is uh, 52 minutes after the hour. Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board. Uh, Brian is here with Kelsey. And uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about some firearms that they brought into the studio. I got to go over a couple of things. That, and I kind of have to roll back the clock just a little bit. I don't know that we made this clear. A caller called and apparently didn't think that we did that the uh, marijuana card and owning a firearm is a federal law. It's not... Uh, I don't know that the state of Missouri has a law like that, but the federal government does. Do either of you know if the state of Missouri has a similar statute to the federal law that says if you've got a, a medical marijuana card, you can't own a firearm? Um. No. So basically how it works, it does not remove your state rights, which it's kind of a weird deal. So the background check that we run is a federal background check. Right. As soon as you have that medical marijuana card, you will no longer pass that background check. Correct. But it does not prohibit you from still owning the firearms you already have. 
Does that uh, kind of make sense? All right, can you can, can you, <laughs> so can I conceal carry in the state of Missouri with a medical marijuana card? I think so. Don't hold me to that. I do not think it prohibits you from any rights that you already have. You just can no longer purchase more on the federal level. Because the interesting thought is, with the Second Amendment Preservation Act, if it's only a federal law uh, and not a state law, then I can conceal carry in the state of Missouri, and only if a federal agent stops me would I have a problem. Right. Wow. That's... Yeah. That's interesting. It's very confusing because we get a lot of people that they're like, well, I already have, because we get asked, I would say, I don't want to say daily, but pretty close. You know, people are like, well, I have my med card. Can I still buy a gun? No. Well, are they going to come take my guns? Also, no. They're not. It's it's a very weird and very confusing issue. And that goes to a question we got from Mike. He said, if you gave your CCW, if you have your, your CCW permit, and then get a marijuana card, is your CCW permit automatically canceled? No, because it's a state-issued <clears throat> permit. It's not a federally-issued permit. It seems so arbitrary and capricious. And you know what it does? It says to me that if I, if I had a medical marijuana card, that it, it would actually encourage me uh, to find a straw purchase. Right. We actually had that issue the other day. Can you... I, I had to... Well, forcefully tell people to leave. Um, they came in looking at a gun. It was a couple. He was looking at the guns. He wanted to purchase. We asked for his ID. He said, oh, no, it's on her. I have a med card. And I was like, no, uh, no first of all, not, not a chance. Not going to start that. And he said, well, I'll just go down the street and buy it somewhere else and send her in without me. And I said, that's fine. I'm going to go make some phone calls. <laughs> it literally creates a situation that encourages people to break the law. Well, and it's bad for us because say she does walk into a different store in town and says, I want this gun without him there, without them knowing, they have essentially aided a straw purchase without knowing it. Now, can you get in trouble for, for that exact thing, for aiding a straw purchase without knowing? It, no. <laughs> Technically, no, but yes. Um they will try to pin straw purchases on us even if we don't know. Now, if we can prove we didn't know, if we can show them video that she came in by herself, all that stuff, they can't really do anything about it. But she will definitely get in trouble, and so will he. What a mess. Yeah. yeah. These regulations are really... It's awesome. I mean, you really got to jump through some hoops. Unbelievable. The ATF people are very, very serious about the straw purchase thing uh, to the extent that it makes it very, very difficult for us as dealers or any other dealer to be in compliance 100% of the time. Um, we have been we've been cited for straw purchases in the past when we had absolutely no clue that one took place. Um, and I mean, it, that's a big, big deal uh, it, for a license holder. It's a huge, huge problem. And there's really not a great way to prevent it 100% of the time. We do the very best that we can, and we employ every technology possible to prevent them. But um, it's it's very, very, very hard spot of the law to skirt. There are some businesses, and yours is one of them, where if the government really wants to shut you down, they've, you know, they've got so many laws and so many rules that if they really want to, they'll find a way. Absolutely they can, and they do. Man, 
That is really disturbing. Uh, all right. 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. If you've got questions, we've got answers. Uh, we've got Brian and Kelsey on board from Potterhorn Guns and Archery. Uh, and we don't we haven't even talked to archery, but is there a season for that? Yes. Um. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. I've not since college have I. All right, we'll we'll kick into that and we'll talk about these firearms right after the news. I'm Gary on Gun.